Welcome to our podcast, and this week at London Visited, we go to Big Ben to tell you all about this globally recognised and iconic part of London. My name is Steve, and each week I'll bring to you the facts, history and information about different parts of this great capital. If you have been to London, are planning on visiting, live here or just love London from afar, then this is the podcast for you. Don't forget to visit our YouTube channel, London Visited, to see videos covering this place and so many others across London. And now to this week's podcast. Big Ben is the nickname for the Great Bell of the Striking Clock at the north end of the Palace of Westminster. The name is frequently extended to also refer to the clock and the clock tower. The official name of the tower in which Big Ben is located was originally the Clock Tower. It was renamed Elizabeth Tower in 2012 to mark the Diamond Jubilee of Elizabeth II, Queen of the UK. The tower was designed by Augustus Pugin in neo-Gothic style. When completed in 1859, its clock was the largest and most accurate four-faced striking and chiming clock in the world. The tower stands 316 feet 96 meters tall, and the climb from ground level to its belfry is 334 steps. Its base is square, measuring 40 feet 12 meters on each side. Dials of the clock are 22.5 feet 6.9 meters in diameter. All four nations of the UK are represented on the tower in shields featuring a rose for England, thistle for Scotland, shamrock for Northern Ireland, and a leek for Wales. On the 31st of May 2009, celebrations were held to mark the tower's 150th anniversary. Big Ben is the largest of the tower's five bells and weighs 13.5 tons. It was the largest bell in the United Kingdom for 23 years. The origin of the bell's nickname is open to question. It may be named after Sir Benjamin Hall, who oversaw its installation, or heavyweight boxing champion, Benjamin Corned. Four quarter bells chime at 15, 30 and 45 minutes past the hour, and just before Big Ben tolls on the hour. The clock uses its original Victorian mechanism, but an electric motor can be used as a backup. The tower is a British cultural icon, recognised all over the world. It is one of the most prominent symbols of the United Kingdom and parliamentary democracy. It is often used in the establishing shot of films set in London. The clock tower has been part of a Grade 1 listed building since 1970 and a UNESCO World Heritage Site since 1987. On the 21st of August 2017, a four-year schedule of renovation works began on the tower. Modifications when completed will include adding a lift, reglazing and repainting the clock dials, upgrading lighting and repairing roof tiles, among other improvements. With a few exceptions, such as New Year's Eve and Remembrance Sunday, the bells are to be silent until the work is completed sometime in 2022. Elizabeth Tower, originally referred to as the Clock Tower, but now popularly known as Big Ben, was raised as part of Charles Barry's design for a new Palace of Westminster, after the old palace was largely destroyed by fire on the 16th of October 1834. Although Barry was the chief architect of the Neo-Gothic Palace, he turned to Augustus Pugin for the design of the clock tower, which resembles earlier Pugin designs, including one for Scarsbrook Hall in Lancashire. Construction of the tower began on the 28th of September 1845. The building contractors were Thomas Grissel and Morton Pito. An inscribed trowel now in parliamentary archives records that Emily, sister of Pito's daughter-in-law, was given the honour of laying the first stone. It was Pugin's last design before his descent into mental illness and death in 1852, 
and Pugim himself wrote, At the time of Barry's last visit to him to collect the drawings, I never worked so hard in my life for Mr. Barry. For tomorrow, I render all my designs for finishing his bell tower, and it is beautiful. Completed in 1859, the tower was designed in Pugin's celebrated Gothic Revival style, and at 316 feet high, its dials at the centre are 180 feet above ground level. The tower's base, measuring 40 feet square on each side, rested on concrete foundations, 12 feet thick. It was constructed using bricks clad on the exterior with sand-coloured Anston limescale from South Yorkshire, topped by a spire covered in hundreds of cast iron roof tiles. There is a spiral staircase with 290 stone steps up to the clock room, followed by 44 to reach the belfry and an additional 59 to the top of the spire. Above the belfry and Ayrton light were 52 shields decorated with national emblems of the four countries of the UK. The red and white rose of England's Tudor dynasty, the thistle of Scotland, shamrock of Northern Ireland and leek of Wales. They also feature the pomegranates of Catherine of Aragon, first wife of the Tudor king Henry VIII, the portcullis symbolising both houses of parliament and fleur-de-lis, a legacy from when English monarchs claimed to rule France. A ventilation shaft running from ground level up to the belfry, which measures 16 feet by 8 feet, was designed by David Boswell Reed, known as the grandfather of air conditioning. It was intended to draw cool, fresh air into the Palace of Westminster. In practice, this did not work, and the shaft was repurposed as a chimney until around 1914. The current conservation works included an addition of a lift or elevator that was installed in the shaft. Its foundations rest on a layer of gravel, below which is London clay. Owing to this soft ground, the tower leans slightly to the north by roughly 230mm, 9.1 inches, over 55 metres height, giving an inclination of 1 in 240. This includes a planned maximum of 22mm increased tilt due to tunnelling for the Jubilee Line extension. In the 1990s, thousands of tonnes of concrete were pumped into the ground underneath the tower to stabilise it during construction of the Westminster section of the Jubilee Line. It leans by about 500mm at the final. Experts believe the tower's lean will not be a problem for another 4,000 to 10,000 years. Journalists during Queen Victoria's reign called it St Stephen's Tower as members of Parliament originally sat at St Stephen's Hall. These journalists referred to anything related to the House of Commons as news from St Stephen's. The palace does contain a feature called St Stephen's Tower, located above the public entrance. On the 2nd of June 2012, the House of Commons voted in support of a proposed change in the name of the clock tower to Elizabeth Tower in tribute to Elizabeth II, Queen of the UK, in her Diamond Jubilee year. Since the large West Tower, now known as Victoria Tower, had been renamed in tribute to Queen Victoria on the occasion of her Diamond Jubilee. On the 26th of June 2012, the House of Commons confirmed that the name change could go ahead. David Cameron, then Prime Minister, officially announced the change of name on the 12th of September 2012. The change was marked by a naming ceremony in which John Burkow, then Speaker of the House of Commons, unveiled a plaque attached to the tower on the adjoining Speaker's Green. Inside the tower is an oak-panelled prison room, which can only be accessed from the House of Commons, not via the tower entrance. It was last used in 1880 when atheist Charles Bradlaugh, 
newly elected Member of Parliament for Northampton, was imprisoned by the Sergeant-at-Arms after he protested against swearing a religious oath of allegiance to Queen Victoria. Officially, the Sergeant-at-Arms can still make arrests, as they have had the authority to do so since 1415. The room, however, is currently occupied by the Petitions Committee, which oversees petitions submitted to Parliament. A new feature was added in 1873 by Acton Smee Arton, then First Commissioner of Works and Public Buildings. The Arton Light is a lantern situated above the belfry and is lit whenever the House of Commons sits after dark. It can be seen from across London. Originally, it shone towards Buckingham Palace so Queen Victoria could look out of a window and see when the Commons were at work. Augustus Pugin drew inspiration from Benjamin Louis Viarmi when he designed the dials. Each is made of cast iron sections bolted together. The whole frame is 22.5 feet, 6.9 meters in diameter, and contains 324 pieces of opalescent glass. Originally, the dials were backlit using gas lamps, at first only when Parliament was sitting, but they have routinely been illuminated from dusk until dawn since 1876. Electric bulbs were installed at the beginning of the 20th century. The ornate surrounds of the dials are gilded. At the base of each dial is the Latin inscription, O Lord, keep safe our Queen Victoria I. Unlike many Roman numeral clock dials, which shows the four position as four eyes, the great clock faces depict four as IV. The clock's gun metal hour hands and copper minute hands are 8.75 feet, 2.7 meters, and 14 feet, 4.3 meters long, respectively. When completed, the frame and hands were Prussian blue, but they were painted black in the 1930s to disguise the effects of air pollution. The original color scheme is being revived during the current renovation works. It is found that no less than six different color schemes were used over the past 160 years. The Victorian glass was also removed and replaced with faithful reproductions made in Germany by glassmakers. The clock's movement is famous for its reliability. The designers were the lawyer and amateur horologist Edmund Beckett Denison and George Airy, the astronomer Royale. Construction was entrusted to clockmaker Edward John Dent. After his death in 1853, his stepson Frederick Dent completed the work in 1854. As the tower was not completed until 1859, Denison had time to experiment. Instead of using a deadbeat escapement and remontoir as originally designed, he invented a double three-legged gravity escapement, which provides the best separation between pendulum and clock mechanism, thus mitigating the effects of rain, wind and snow on the dials. Dent never patented his design and it quickly became the standard on all new high-quality tower clocks. On top of the pendulum, is a small stack of old penny coins. These are to adjust the time of the clock. Adding a coin has the effect of minutely lifting the position of the pendulum's centre of mass, reducing the effective length of the pendulum rod, and hence increasing the rate at which the pendulum swings. Adding or removing a penny will change the clock speed by 0.4 seconds per day. It keeps time to within a few seconds per week. It is hand-wound, taking about 1.5 hours three times a week. The keeper of the clock is responsible for looking after the movement in addition to overseeing every aspect of maintenance around the palace. A team of horologists are on call 24 hours a day to attend to the clock in the event of an emergency. On the 10th of May 1941, a German bombing raid damaged two of the clock's dials 
and sections of the tower's steeped roof and destroyed the House of Commons chamber. Architect Sir Giles Gilbert Scott designed a new five-floor block. Two floors were occupied by the current chamber, which was used for the first time on the 26th of October, 1950. The clock ran accurately and chimed throughout the Blitz. Breakdowns and other incidents. Before 1878, the clock stopped for the first time in its history through a heavy fall of snow on the hands of the clock face. The 21st of August 1877 to January 1878, the clock was stopped for three weeks to allow the tower and mechanism to be cleaned and repaired. The old escape wheel was replaced. Into the 20th century, February 1900, the heavy buildup of snow on the clock face impeded the progress of the hour hand, causing the clock to stop for about eight hours. 1916, for two years during World War I, the bells were silenced and the clock faces were not illuminated at night to avoid guiding attacking German zeppelins. 29th of December 1927, snow build up on the clock face stopped the clock. Winter 1928, heavy snow stopped the clock for several hours. The 2nd of April 1934, the clock stopped from 7.16am to 1.15pm when it was repaired. The 23rd of September 1936, a painter painting the inside of the clock room placed a ladder against a shaft driving the hands, stopping the clock from 8.47 to 10am. The 1st of September 1939, although the bells continued to ring, the clock faces were not illuminated at night throughout World War II to avoid guiding bomber pilots during the Blitz. 10th of May 1941, a German bombing raid damaged two of the clock's dials. 3rd to the 4th of June 1941, the clock stopped from 10.13pm until 10.13 the following morning, after a workman repairing air raid damage to the clock face left a hammer too close to the mechanism. 25th to the 26th of January 1945, Extremely cold temperatures froze the rubber brushings on the quarter bell hammers, preventing the chime sounding from 9pm on the 25th to 9pm the following evening. The BBC broadcast the pips in the interval. 28th of January 1947. The rubber brushings on the quarter bell hammers again froze before the clock sounded midnight, muting the chimes, though the problem was resolved by the morning. 12th of August 1949. The clock slowed by four and a half minutes after a flock of starlings perched on the minute hand. 13th of January 1955. The clock stopped at 3.24 a.m. due to drifts of snow forming on the north and east dials. Small electric heaters were placed just inside these two dials, which faced the full fury of the winter's blast. And this measure has helped to reduce instances of freezing in recent years. 18th of July 1955. The rope operating the striking hammer broke silencing the clock from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. New Year's Eve 1962. The clock slowed due to heavy snow and ice on the hands, causing the pendulum to detach from the clockwork, as it is designed to do in such circumstances to avoid serious damage elsewhere in the mechanism, the pendulum continuing to swing freely. Thus, it chimed in the 1963 New Year nine minutes late. 30th of January 1965. The bells were silenced during the funeral of statesman and former Prime Minister Winston Churchill. 9th of January 1968. Snow build-up on the clock faces blocked the hands from moving, stopping the clock from 6.28 to 10.10 a.m. On the 5th of August 1976, the air brake speed regulator of the chiming mechanism broke from the torsional fatigue 
after more than 100 years of use, causing the fully wound 4-ton weight to spin the winding drum out of movement, causing much damage. The great clock was shut down for a total of 26 days over 9 months. It was reactivated on the 9th of May 1977. It was the largest break in operation since its construction. During this time, BBC Radio 4 broadcast the pips instead. Although there were minor stoppages from 1977 to 2002, when maintenance of the clock was carried out by the old firm of clockmakers, Thwaites and Reed, these were often repaired within the permitted two-hour downtime and not recorded as stoppages. Before 1970, maintenance was carried out by the original firm of Dents. Since 2002, by parliamentary staff. March 1986 and January 1987, the problem of the rubber brushings on the quarter bell chimes freezing reoccurred, muffling the chimes. 30th of April 1997, the clock stopped 24 hours before the general election and stopped again three weeks later. 27th of May 2005, the clock stopped at 10.07pm, possibly because of the hot weather. Temperatures in London had reached an unseasonable 31.8 degrees centigrade, 90 degrees Fahrenheit. It resumed but stopped again at 10.20pm and remained still for about 90 minutes before resuming. 29th of October 2005, the mechanism was stopped for about 33 hours to allow maintenance work on the clock and its chimes. It was the lengthiest maintenance shutdown in 22 years. 7am on the 5th of June 2006, the clock tower's quarter bells were taken out of commission for four weeks, as a bearing holding one of the quarter bells was worn and needed to be removed for repairs. During this period, BBC Radio 4 broadcast recordings of British birdsong, followed by the pips in place of the usual chimes. 11th of August 2007, start of six-week stoppage for maintenance. Bearings on the clock chime train and the Great Bell Striker were replaced, for the first time since installation. During the maintenance, the clock was driven by an electric motor. Once again, BBC Radio 4 broadcast the pips during this time. The intention was that the clock should run accurately for a further 200 years before major maintenance was again required. In fact, repairs sufficed for just 10 years. 17th of April 2017 The bells were silenced as a mark of profound dignity and deep respect during the funeral of former Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher. August 2015 Maintenance crews discovered the clock to be running seven seconds fast. They removed coins from its pendulum to correct the error, which caused it to run slow for a period. 21st of August 2017 Start of an ongoing four-year silencing of the chimes during maintenance repair work of the clock mechanism and repairs and improvements to the clock tower building. During this time, dials, hands and lights will be removed for restoration, with at least one dial, with the hands driven by an electric motor, left intact, functioning and visible at any given time. Plans also included installing a lift. The main bell, officially known as the Great Bell, but better known as Big Ben, is the largest bell in the tower and the part of the Great Clock of Westminster. It sounds an E natural. The original bell was a 16-ton hour bell, cast on the 6th of August 1856 in Stockton-on-Tees by John Warner and Sons. It was thought that the bell was originally to be called the Victoria or Royal Victoria in honour of Queen Victoria, but that an MP suggested that the bell's current nickname of Big Ben during a parliamentary debate. The comment is not recorded in Parliament's notes, Hansard. Since the tower was not yet finished, the bell was mounted in the new palace yard. But, during testing, 
it cracked beyond repair, and a replacement bell had to be made. The bell was recast on the 10th of April 1858 at the Whitechapel Bell Foundry as a 13.5-ton bell. The second bell was transported from the foundry to the tower on a trolley drawn by 16 horses. With crowds cheering his progress, it was then pulled 200 feet up to the clock tower's belfry, a feat that took 18 hours. It is 7 feet 6 inches, 2.29 meters tall, and 9 feet, 2.74 meters in diameter. This new bell first chimed in July 1859. In September, it too cracked under the hammer. According to the foundry's manager, George Mears, the horologist Denison had used the hammer more than twice the maximum weight specified. For three years, Big Ben was taken out of commission, and the hours were struck on the lowest of the quarter bells until it was repaired. To make the repair, a square piece of metal was chipped out from around the rim of the crack, and the bell given an eighth of a turn, so the new hammer struck in a different place. Big Ben has chimed with a slightly different tone ever since. It is still in use today, with the crack unrepaired. Big Ben was the largest bell in the British Isles until Great Paul, a 16.75-ton bell currently hung in St Paul's Cathedral, was cast in 1881. In August 2007, the bell striker was replaced for the first time since installation. The origin of the nickname Big Ben is subject to some debate. The nickname was applied first to the Great Bell. It may have been named after Sir Benjamin Hall, who oversaw the installation of the Great Bell, or after English heavyweight boxing champion Ben Caunt. Now, Big Ben is often used, by extension, to refer to the clock, the tower, and the bell collectively, although the nickname is not universally accepted as referring to the clock and tower. Some authors of works about the tower, clock, and bell sidestep the issue by using the words Big Ben first in the title, then go on to clarify that the subject of the book is the clock and the tower as well as of the bell. Along with the Great Bell, the Belfry houses four quarter bells, which play the Westminster quarters on the quarter hours. The four quarter bells sound G, F, E, and B. They were cast by John Warner and Sons at their Crescent Foundry in 1857. The foundry was in Dewey Crescent, that has now become the Barbican in the City of London. The bells were sounded by hammers pulled by cables coming from the link room, a low ceiling space between the clock room and belfry, where mechanisms translate the movement of the quarter train into the sounding of the individual bells. The quarter bells play a once-repeating 20-note sequence of rounds and four changes in the key of E major, 1 to 4 at quarter past, 5 to 12 at half past, 13 to 20, and 1 to 4 at quarter 2, and 5 to 20 on the hour, which sounds 25 seconds before the main bell tolls the hour. Because the low bell is struck twice in quick succession, there is not enough time to pull a hammer back, and it is supplied with two wrench hammers on opposite sides of the bell. The tune is that of the Cambridge Chimes, first used for the chimes of the Great St Mary's Church at Cambridge, and supposedly a variation attributed to William Crotch based on violin phrases from the air I know that my Redeemer liveth in Handel's Messiah. The notional words of the chime, again delivered from the Great St Mary's and in turn allusion to Psalm 37, 23 and 24, are Although this hour, Lord be my guide, and by thy power, no foot shall slide. They are written on a plaque on the wall of the clock room. One of the requirements for the clock was that the first strike of the hour bell should be correct within one second per day. The tolerance is within the Greenwich Mean Time, BST in summer. So, at 12 o'clock, for example, 
it is the first of the 12-hour bell strikes that signifies the hour. The time signaled by the last of the six pips, UTC, may be fractionally different. In 2008, a survey of 2,000 people found that the tower was the most popular landmark in the United Kingdom. It has also been named the most iconic film location in London. The sound of the clock chiming has also been used this way in audio media. But as Westminster quarters are heard from other clocks and other devices, the sound is by no means unique. Big Ben is a focal point of New Year's celebrations in the UK, with radio and television stations airing its chimes to welcome in the start of the new year. To welcome in 2012, the clock tower was lit with fireworks that exploded at every toll of Big Ben. Similarly, on Remembrance Day, the chimes of Big Ben are broadcast to mark the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month and the start of the two-minute silence. The chimes of Big Ben have also been used at state funerals of monarchs on three occasions. Firstly, at the funeral of King Edward VII in 1910, when Big Ben chimes 68 times, one stroke for each year of the monarch's life. Secondly, at the funeral of King George V in 1936, 70 strokes. And finally, at the funeral of King George VI in 1952, 56 strokes. Londoners, who live an appropriate distance from the Tower and Big Ben, can, by listening to the chimes both live and on analogue radio, hear the bells strike 13 times. This is possible because the electronically transmitted chimes arrive virtually instantaneously, while the live sound is delayed travelling through air since the speed of sound is relatively slow. At the close of the polls for the 2010 general election, the results of the national exit poll were projected onto the south side of the tower. On the 27th of July 2012, starting at 8.12am, Big Ben chimed 30 times to welcome the Games of the 30th Olympiad, which officially began that day, to London. On the 21st of August 2017, Big Ben's chimes were silenced for four years to allow essential restoration work to be carried out. The decision to silence the bells was made to protect the hearing of the workers on the tower and drew much criticism from senior MPs and then the then Prime Minister Theresa May. The striking and the tolling of the bells for important occasions, such as New Year's Eve and Remembrance Sunday, will be handled via an electric motor and at least one of the four clock faces will always remain visible during the restoration. Scaffolding was put up around the tower immediately after the bells were silenced. The original cost of the project to the taxpayers and creditors was estimated to be roughly £29 million, but this was then more than doubled to £69 million. In February 2020, it was confirmed that the renovations had revealed that the Elizabeth Tower had sustained greater damage than originally thought in the May 1941 bombing raid that destroyed the adjacent House of Commons. Other costly discoveries included asbestos in the belfry, the extensive use of lead paint, broken glass on the clock dials, and serious deterioration to the tower's intricate stone carvings due to air pollution. The cost of addressing the new problems was estimated at £18.6 million, bringing the total budget for restoring the Elizabeth Tower to nearly £80 million. The additional renovation work was not set to derail the completion of the project. Big Ben will resume its usual striking and tolling in 2022. The aim of the renovation is to repair and conserve the tower, upgrading facilities as necessary and ensuring the tower's integrity for future generations. The last significant renovation work to the tower was carried out in 1983 to 1985. The 96-metre high structure is exposed to the elements 
resulting in cracks and other damage to the masonry and rust damage to the ironwork. The 2,567 cast iron roof tiles will be removed and replaced and the lift installed to make access easier, along with a basic washroom with running water. The Eton light at the top of the tower, which is lit when Parliament is sitting, will also be fully dismantled and restored with other lights to the belfry. The lights will be replaced with low-energy LEDs. One of the most visible changes to the tower will be the restoration of the clock face framework to its original colour of Prussian blue, used when the tower was first built in 1859, with the black paint used to cover up the soot-stained dial frames being stripped away. The clock faces are also to be regilded, and the shades of St George are to be repainted into their original red and white colours. The 1,296 pieces of glass that make up the clock faces are also to be removed and replaced. So, I hope you've enjoyed our look at Big Ben, or should I say, the Queen Elizabeth Tower with Big Ben the bell inside. We can't wait till 2022 to see what the new tower looks like after all its restoration work. And we promise you this, we'll cover that on our YouTube channel, London Visited. Whatever podcast service you use to listen to this, please do subscribe to get updates on new shows and also please leave us some feedback. Please also let me know any other places you'd like us to feature in future podcasts and you can let me know through our website www.londonvisited.co.uk by emailing me directly on londonvisited at gmail.com or you can contact us on Twitter and Instagram at London Visited or Facebook on at the London Visited. Thanks for listening and really hope you enjoyed our podcast and we'll see you soon on the next one. Bye!